0: We've been talking a lot about words. We've been talking about the mind games that the devil plays. And uh, what we have to understand is the devil plays mind games, and the way he does it is with words. We looked at Revelation. We don't have time to review. You can go back onto our podcast, onto our YouTube channel, and you can look up the sermons, the last two, where we talked about. And we talked about how, you know, uh, mental illness is a thing in the nation. Mental illness is even a thing in the body of Christ. And the reason is because it's this battle in the mind. Joyce Meyer has a wonderful book. It's called The Battlefield of the Mind. And really, that's where the war with the enemy takes place. And the way he does it is, lastly, week we looked at the book of Revelation, it says he comes at you with a flood of waters, and waters are words. And what the devil tries to do is overwhelm you with the words that he speaks about your life. And what we have to understand is that the devil's constantly talking, and God is constantly talking, and you as the believer have the opportunity and the authority to agree with one or the other. And so, even though the devil's words can be powerful. God's words are always powerful, but the power is really in your agreement. And we see this in other scriptures because where it talks about the power of agreement, if two would agree together and do what? Ask. So agreement through your words, it says it shall be done unto them, right? And so we have to be careful as this authority that's been entrusted to us as to which kingdom we're agreeing with. Because all the words that you say, you're either agreeing with the kingdom of darkness or you're agreeing with the kingdom of light. And so what we have to get really good at, we're going to be looking at two things this morning, renewing our mind and protecting our confession. And if we're going to win this battle of the mind, we're going to have to begin to retaliate against the words of the enemy with the word of God. You remember when the enemy brought those words against Adam and Eve in the garden and and they stood there silently and instead of giving a response or retaliation, they lost that battle to the devil. We see where David and Goliath, when Goliath challenged him and he challenged him with his words, we saw David give a response and he was victorious. Now David was a type and a shadow. What was going to happen? David and Goliath was not about David and Goliath. David and Goliath was about Jesus killing the Goliath in your life. That is sin. And that Goliath has died. And the Bible says you're no longer a slave to sin, but you've been set free. How? By the work and the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Thus the scripture says, everyone who is in him for who the son sets free is what? Free indeed. Right? But yet David gave a response to Goliath and he was victorious. Then we see Jesus who was led out in the wilderness by the Holy Spirit and tempted there 40 days and 40 nights by Satan. Now look at this now. By Satan. What do we know about Satan? Well, he's not like God. He can't create anything. He can only pervert things. One thing he wants to try to pervert is your words. And when we speak words that are contrary to the word of God, it's a perversion of words. And then that's where death and life are in the power of the tongue. Amen. That's right. I want to speak life. Well, how do I speak life? I don't speak a perversion against God's word. I speak the word. Amen. And when I speak the word, I'm agreeing with what, the right kingdom, and there I'll see life. Yeah. And it keeps the word from being stolen out of my heart. Okay. Amen? What well, we see in the, the will, and what else we know. So, so the devil's not like God, which also means he's not omni, he can't be everywhere at once. No, this will really help somebody. It came out of my heart Wednesday night, and uh, it'll just, because you think every fight you're fighting is against Satan, and it's not. Would you stop giving him so much credit? I don't want to get into percentages because I don't want to be wrong, but probably 90% of your problem is you. Maybe if I say it smiling, it'll be well received. Or maybe if I put, I'll put me in the middle of that. 90% of Robert's problem is Robert. Not the devil. Now, he's happy to take the credit, and, and he's happy to come in like a thief to steal, kill, and destroy. But he can't even do that until you allow him to. So he doesn't have any authority just to come in there and run amok. If he's in there, you let him in there. Okay. Mm, I, I told you, y'all fun crowd. If he's in your garden, you let him in your garden. All right, so we need to close up the garden. Close the gate. What's the gate? It's the eyes, the ears, and the mouth. You can let him in with your words. You need to be saying the word of God to keep that serpent out. Well, the devil's just harassing my kids. Well, did you let the devil in? As the parent, maybe they don't know how to protect their garden. So you, pre- you be the cherubim Amen. that God set at the garden to keep anyone from going in. You be the angel at the garden that says, uh-uh, ain't nobody getting into their garden. Amen. Amen. Oh, man, I, ooh, glory to God. Y'all, listen to me, parents. The teenagers probably ain't going to like this, but YOLO. It's an old statement. It means you only live once, which is true, <laughs> naturally speaking. You ought to regulate what your children are watching. You ought to regulate what they're listening to. Well, it's their phone. Well, take it away. You know how many times I've taken away my tablet, or my boy's tablet? That's right, my tablet from my boy's. <laughs> I think that's your tablet. Nuh-uh. Why did I take it away? Because I've seen stuff get into their heart through their eyes, and then behavior comes out. One more thing for the parents in the room and the future parents of the room. God told me, because I was just horrified uh, when we had kids, and I know no one's ever been horrified when they had kids, but I've never felt more unqualified for anything in my life than being a father. And God told me, he said, He said, your relationship with your children is just like your relationship with me. The more time you spend with me, the better your behavior gets. Now, listen, parents, if you let someone else raise your children, then you'll have no influence over their behavior. But if you will raise your child, if you'll spend time with your child instead of letting YouTube spend time with your child, if you'll spend time with your child... Now, parents, I'm just going to speak to the parents in the room. Y'all okay with that? Because in youth ministry for the last 20 years, I know I don't look it, glory to God. Thank you for all the witnesses out there. Your disagreement said, "Mm mm-hmm, you old. But I always hear this. I always hear people complaining about this this younger generation. And when they complain about the younger generation, as a youth pastor, in my mind, I go to, well, who's raising that generation? See, stop being like Adam and Eve and stop pushing the buck onto somebody else and put your foot down and say, I am the parent. And I don't care if you're uh, in a single home. I know it might be more difficult, but you have the help of the Lord. Yeah. And if you're co-parenting, parenting together, just put your foot down and be mom and dad. Yeah. Be a mother, be a father. And the more time you spend with them, you're going to iron just like a tailor, just like you do with your clothes. You're gonna iron, your relationship with them will iron out bad behavior. Unless your behavior's terrible. And then if you're duplicating that, well then, well then, wait, let me just talk to you, get your life <laughs> Amen. All right, well, we'll move on. Amen. So back to words. Because this is talking about words. we have to protect what goes into our heart because that's the way we protect what comes out of our mouth. Amen. And why the devil is assaulting us with a flood onto our mind, we have to retaliate against that. That's right. And I'll, I'll leave with this. Show your children what is virtu- virtuous. Show them what is honorable. Amen. Show them what is right. Yes. Amen. And then I do this with my, with my boys all the time. I say, listen, I've never had a 12-year-old before. Take it easy on me. We're learning together. You know, one day you're going to have a 12-year-old, and you're going to ask him to or her to take it easy on you. And so we're learning together, and this will help parents too. I'm honest with my boys. I let them know when I miss the mark because I want them to learn how to have a repentant heart. So when I miss it and I fly off the handle, I come to them and I say, okay, I shouldn't have got angry. I mean, it's your fault you woke me up at 6. You know what I mean? I mean, I'm just kidding. But come to them. Let them see a repentant heart. How are you going to expect them to come to God and get it right if they always think they're right? Amen. This will help someone in the room. Amen. Hallelujah. And so let them see vulnerability so they can learn how to be vulnerable with God. Let them see you dependent on God so they can learn how to depend on God. Bring them into agreement with you. You got a bill or something? Tell, have them pray with you. You struggle with our boys lay hands on us all the time. We say, we got a headache or we got this. They'll just walk up and lay hands on us and start praying. One of my boys, he'll do it in public. You got to be careful what you say at Walmart or Kroger. With one of them around, he'll walk right up to you and pray. But they're learning that from somewhere. Amen. Amen. All right. So y'all good? Glory to God. Let's look at this. Isaiah 59, 19. So they shall fear the name of the Lord from the West and his glory from the rising of the sun. When the enemy comes in like a flood, how's he coming like a flood? With his words. Someone say his words. And so, has he ever brought a flood to you? You're not good enough. Talking about parents, has he ever, has he brought a flood to you? You raising a hot mess because you're a hot mess. Has he ever brought a flood? You don't know what you're doing. You're ruining your life. You're ruining their life. You're not qualified for this. Has he ever brought a flood? You're going to get fired. The economy's bad. You're you're going under. You know, oh, you're sick, you're going to die. Has he ever brought a flood of words to you? He brings a flood, and this is how he attacks us in our mind. But look at what the Bible says. The Spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against him. So you've been given a standard to put against the flood and the standard you're supposed to put against the flood is the word of God. Just like the waters that come out of the devil's mouth are words, the waters that should come out of your mouth should be words and it should be the word. And until a flood comes out of your mouth, the flood that's coming out of the devil's mouth will beat you. I'll say that again. Until a flood comes out of your mouth... Until words, God's word comes out of your mouth, then the flood that's coming out of the devil's mouth that's assaulting your mind all the time will defeat you. And so we're going to look at two things this morning. Number one, renewing our mind with the word of God. And number two, once we renew our mind, that can now set a guard on our confession. Because we ought not just confess everything. Y'all ever heard the saying, well, I just speak my mind. Yeah, y'all said that sometimes. There's nothing wrong with speaking your mind unless it's an unrenewed mind. Because when you speak with an unrenewed mind, now you're given an evil report. And what's an evil report? An evil report is a report that's hostile to God. Against God, like the children of Israel did in the book of Numbers when they came back in Numbers 13 after they spied out the land. And 12 of them, they sent in 12 and 10 of them came back and said, Surely we can take the land because God has said it. Let me ask you this question. If He said it, will He not do it? Yes. Could we have, I know Jesus said childlike faith, but let's even take it a step down. Can we at least have baby faith? Amen. You remember John when he was in Elizabeth? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Mary walked in the room. And all she had to say was hi to Elizabeth. And the Bible says that John leapt in her womb. And at that moment, he was filled with the Holy Spirit. Why did he jump in her womb? Because even that baby knew, whoo, the plan of God's coming to pass. I recognize that voice. Hallelujah. That's the mom of Jesus. As a baby, he was able to discern the will of God. Just heard Mary's voice and knew that Jesus was on his way. And he got excited. Why? Because God spoke it. So surely it's going to come to pass. Let us have baby, toddler, infant faith. Where God speaks it, surely it's going to come to pass. Can I get a witness this morning? And so we got to start with renewing our mind. You ever heard the phrase, get your mind out of the gutter? Mm-hmm. How do we do that? With the word of God. How do we clean? It? The word of God is often called the water of the word. And we need to wash our minds with this water. Amen. And if we're in the way you do it is by diving into the standard. I like to say it this way. If we're going to call ourselves Christians, at some point we're going to have to read our Bibles. <laughs> Someone say glory to God. Amen. If we're going to call ourselves Christians, at some point we're going to have to read our Bibles. Amen. Amen. And when you start reading your Bible, the water of the word starts to wash your mind. Because listen to me now, you'll never speak like God if you don't first think like God. Because out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. So whatever your mind is thinking, that's what's coming out your mouth. And so we got to wash our minds. Hebrews 4:12 out of the Amplifiable says for the word of God is living and active and full of power, some will say power. power, making it operative, energizing and effective. It is sharper than any two-edged sword, penetrating as far as the divisions of the soul and the spirit, the completeness of a person, and of both joints and marrow, the deepest parts of our nature, exposing and judging the very thoughts and intentions of the heart. So what the Word of God does is it exposes and judges every thought of your heart. It exposes and judges every intention of your heart. And when we get into the word, because before you were taught the word of God and before you were born again, you used to think, oh, I can just think about anything. But the Bible says you can't think about anything. You know, you can't let this wandering mind wander. You've got just like you've got to bridle your tongue, you bridle your tongue by bridling your mind. When I lived in Colorado, I used to work with horses a lot. I did all sorts of crazy stuff from riding bulls to breaking horses to rodeo I used to rope. I mean, we did all sorts of crazy stuff. And we'd get these wild horses and we'd have to break them. And it's a painful process. I still have rocks in my head from where one bucked me off. I landed on a rock and then a bunch of little pebbles got in here. This is my gym teacher called me, Pebbles. I found out later that's a girl on the Flintstones. So I don't know what he was really saying there. I thought it was because the rocks in my head. Maybe he just thought I played baseball like a girl. I don't know what he thought. nothing against girls who play baseball. All right, anyway, so. But breaking horses isn't always easy. Comes with labor, hard work. The horse can be volatile. Right? Breaking your mind is going to be hard work. Bridling that mind is going to require effort. We used to work in the pen with those horses all the time, working them, working them, getting them used to the way that they're supposed to ride. Because when you're riding a roping horse and you're roping cattle, you're supposed to be able to take your hands off the horn of the saddle and off the reins and focus on roping. Well, the only way you can do that is with a trained horse. See, there's things you need to focus on in this life, i.e. the will of God and the plan of God for your life. And you can't do that if your mind has not been bridled. Because your mind's going to wander and it's going to take you down all sorts of paths. And so we as believers must be willing to put in the work to bridle our mind. To, so to speak, break our mind so it can come under the influence of God's word. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through 2 out of New Living Translation. If you give me just a second to get there. The New Living Translation says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind He will accept. When you think, so, when we think of an altar and present ourselves as a sacrifice, when you think of an altar and they used to give sacrifices of old, what would they do? They would kill an animal on that altar. When God asked Abraham to offer Isaac as a sacrifice, he was going up there to kill him. Amen. So when he says, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, you could say this way, he wants something to die on that altar. That's right. <laughs> Amen. He needs your way of thinking to die on the altar so God's plan for your life can live. Amen. See, because he needs the devil's thought or the devil's words to die on the altar so God's word can be performed. Right. And so we've got to take it to the altar. Verse two. Now, how do we do this? Don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Romans 12, two out of the Baron Study Bible says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. Someone say transformed by the renewing of your mind. So I say it this way. You're either conforming or being transformed. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. There's no middle of the road here. You're either conforming or you're being transformed. And the way we conform is by listening to the words, the flood of the enemy, the flood of this world, conforms our lifestyle to this world. The way we're transformed is by listening to the word of God, renewing our mind with his word, and then we're transformed and we're made in the image of God. Amen. Now listen to this over and go to uh, Mark 7, 14. And as you're turning there, I want to read this quote from the Elcott's commentary. It says, The mind, the mental faculties, reason or understanding in itself is neutral. When informed by an evil principle, it becomes an instrument of evil. But when informed by the spirit, it's an instrument of good. And so the part of you, your mind, your mental faculties, your, your, your will, your emotions, your, your, uh, your intellect is generally neutral. The question is, what's influencing it? Because your intellect can either be influenced to be a force for evil. Why? Because when we listen to the devil and we listen to his words, we're taking out a, a worldly, dare I say satanic, view into our mind, thus making our thoughts, our intellect, and our mind evil. Right, but if we let God's word be the influencer of our mind, right? Uh-huh. Then, because Jesus said, "From an evil heart, you cannot produce good fruit," That's right. and so we've got to be sure what we're allowing again into our heart and into our garden. And when we let the word of God in, it influences us. Now we can walk in spirit and in life. Amen. Amen. And so we got to be very careful. I, for myself, I, I used to listen to a lot of political podcasts. And uh, I would listen to it on the way to work. I would listen to it on the way home. While I was walking around here at the office and doing stuff and sending emails, I had my, my ear uh, uh, pods in and I was listening to podcasts, 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 podcasts. And I was letting that in. And so that secular force was having influence into my intellect and my thoughts. All of a sudden, I started getting mad at people I didn't even know. Because I'm letting the part of me that is neutral be influenced by something, come on now, that is worldly. That's right, that's right. Amen. Amen. And because the part of me that's neutral is being influenced by something worldly, God's will was not coming out of me, but instead the devil's will was coming out of me because of the fruit that I was producing. Come on now, anybody ever been there before? Well, about a year ago, the Lord showed me that. I cut it out. Now on my way to work, I listen to the Bible. Did you know you can go to the Bible app, which is probably the least used app on everyone's phone? Okay. You know, Apple did this thing where you can, I don't know about Android. We're praying for y'all Android users. But Apple does this thing, if you just scroll to the left from your home screen, it's got this thing called screen time, and you can see where you've been spending most of your time on your phone. I bet you if you look at that, the least amount of time is going to your Bible app. Facebook's way up there. Snapchat's way up there. TikTok's way up there. Instagram's way up there. And the Bible app, if you even opened it at all, got my verse of the day, And then we wonder why we're having issues. Because the center of us is being overwhelmingly informed by all these voices. Some of them worldly, some of them secular. He just mentioned it, materialism, all these voices. Some of them Satan. Come on now. And then we get our scripture of the day and we think we're Gucci. (laughs) Read it in 13 seconds. Look at me, Lord. I feel like we're like the religious ones out on the street corner. I read my Bible app today. Mm. Can I just tell you something? If it takes you 13 seconds to read the verse of the day, that verse didn't get in your heart. We've got to start spending more time with this. If we're going to defeat the words because he's coming at you like a flood. He's coming at you like a flood. And we're coming at him with like this little baby squirt gun. No wonder why we're losing this battle in our mind. I'm coming at him like rivers. No, y'all don't understand. Like rivers. Hallelujah. And when he says something in my mind, I attack that thought with the water of God's word. Amen. And so we've got to get rivers flowing out of us. Mark seven. Y'all find it. Glory to God. Then Jesus called the crowd to come here. All of you listen. He said. And try to understand, you are not defiled by what you eat, you are defiled by what you say and do. Then Jesus went into the house. Now remember, if we're going to speak like God, we must first think like God. And so we've got to renew our, we've got to let the center of us be influenced by his word. Right? Look at, and, and then Jesus says, uh, then Jesus went into the house to get away from the crowds and his disciples asked him, what, he, what was meant by the statement you made? Don't you understand either, he asked. Can't you see what you eat won't defile you? Food doesn't come in contact with your heart. Food doesn't contact your mind. Doesn't contact the center of you. Food doesn't come in contact with your heart, but only passes through the stomach and then comes out again. By saying this, he showed us that every kind of food is acceptable. Can I get an amen? Amen. All right, so them cheeseburgers from McDonald's, acceptable. Them fries, acceptable. Hallelujah. It's right there. It's written word. Glory to God. Verse 20. And then he added, now watch this. It is the thought life that defiles you. For from within, out of a person's heart, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, wickedness, deceit eagerness, for lustful pleasures, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. All these vile things come from within. They are what defile you, and they are what make you unacceptable to God. So you could say it like this. What Jesus is saying, what you meditate on works out of you, and that's what defiles you. Because he's saying nobody commits adultery until they start thinking about adultery. Oh, come on now. <laughs> this is no secret, and, and, and the, the Regions Bank across the street has been robbed twice and is in many months. You know, we've, we've had the police up here looking at our security cameras. I had to give some footage to the FBI, and, and, and they're going to find these guys. But they didn't just drive by Regions and decide to go in and rob it. No, they've been processing, they've been pondering. They've been thinking about it. They've been listening to words. We can do this. We can achieve. This is achievable. Theft. Jesus said this works from the inside out. Just like you're corrupted from the inside out, you're also purified from the inside out. This works from the inside out. You can't just purify yourself and say I'm good. No, you purify in here and that works out of you. The Bible says in Galatians 5.22, verse 21 actually says, when the Holy Spirit controls your life, and then verse 22, he rambles on with the nine fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, meekness, temperance, self-control. He rambles off of them and he's saying, when the Holy Spirit is in control, when he's working on the inside of you, when you're being renewed by the Spirit of God in your mind, this will come out of you. Not all these things that defile you, but the things that are good for you. And so we've got to correct our thought processes. Because if you don't correct your thought process, then any lie, which is all the devil has, we looked at the word last week, his only resource is lies. Because he's the father of lie. The problem is, is the believer gives more credence to the lie and then they believe the lie as truth because they never hold it side by side with the truth. And so we've got to begin to hold our thoughts side by side with this word so we can see what we're supposed to be meditating on. And when we do, we renew ourselves in our minds so we can think like God. And once we're thinking like God, we can now speak and act like God. Amen. I also like to say it this way, Romans eight fourteen, the children of God are led by the Spirit of God. When you have renewed yourself in your mind, now the Spirit of God can lead you. Amen. Now, let me clean that up. He's always trying to lead you. But lots of the time, either we can't hear him because we got all these other voices or his ways look foolish. Therefore, we don't go his way because we're trying to understand it with our intellect and our reason. So Ephesians 420 through 24, he said, verse 23 says, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind and that you put on the new man, which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. You'll never put on righteousness and holiness until you renew your mind. So many Christians are born again but still feel condemned. You want to know why? Because they're rehearsing the lies of the devil. Instead of the truth of God's word. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I'm called to be holy as he is holy. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I'm a son and a daughter, an heir and a joint heir. See, you got to start confessing the word and renewing your mind with your word. You'll never, if you go to, uh, I forget where it is, but if you don't start renewing your mind, you'll never be set free from condemnation. Condemnation is a tool of the enemy to keep you from walking in the promises that are yes and amen. Because when you feel condemned, one of the places you refuse to go is the presence of God. And so if the devil can get you to feel condemned, he's already put the brakes on before it even started. Condemnation is not from God. Amen. 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 And so see yourself. And this is why I say all the time, Jesus is the cure for the insecure. I have no insecurities in him. I'm acceptable in his sight. I'm righteous in his sight. I'm justified in his sight. I'm forgiven in his sight. I'm cleansed in his sight. Come on now, I'm holy in his sight. I'm pleasing in his sight. Now, that doesn't mean my behavior is always pleasing, but you got to see yourself the way that he sees you. I have a relationship with him. I know him and he knows me. He's my shepherd and I'm his sheep and I know his voice and the voice of a stranger I will not follow. He leads me beside still waters. And in the green pastures, he's prepared a table before my enemy. And I'm sitting down at the table, and I'm feasting of what God has provided. And I don't feel bad about it. I'm not condemned. I'm set free. Why? Because that's the meditations of my heart and the meditations of my mind. And the center of me is being influenced by God and his word instead of by the world. So I'm being transformed instead of conforming. Everyone say transformed. Philippians 4, 6, and 8 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation. If you want to be anxious about something, just start pondering the words of the enemy. Yes. You want anxiety to go up? Just start thinking, meditate what he said about you. Be anxious for nothing, but by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Verse 7, in the peace of God. Yes. Woo! Where do we need peace? You need it in your mind. You need it in your mind. That's where you need peace. Now watch what happens when you get his peace. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your mind. I I, I like to say it this way. I don't have to understand everything about God's will. but but, But if I don't have peace about it, I'll never follow it. And so you've got to have peace in your mind before you'll follow the will of God for your life. And God can't make it any plain for you than that. Many people don't follow his plan because they have no peace. What do they have instead? Fear. Man, have we seen that in the last three years? Why? Because the center of us was influenced By everything, you got to do this or you're going to die. You got to do this or you're going to die. You got to do that or you're going to die. You got to do this or you're going to die. And then because the center of us, our mind, our will, and emotions was being influenced like that, we had a lack of peace. Oh, come on now. We just live this. Have we already forgotten? So as the world ramps up its reporting, you must ramp up your God reporting. Because remember what we talked about on Wednesday. Jesus said that there's going to be wars, kingdom fighting against kingdom. He said there's going to be plagues, there's going to be famine. He said that there's going to be earthquakes, right? But then what else did he say? He said, this is only the beginning. So we got we to gotta be rooted, because if that's only the beginning, well, you need to be in here. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. And so, he can give you peace of mind, and if you have peace of mind, now you can follow the will of God, because your mind is not hostile towards the things of God, and you're not warned against God in your thoughts. Yeah, you can follow God's plan for your life, and you can be in faith while your mind's at war with God, but it's a lot easier for your mind to be at peace with God. It's a lot easier, and that's what he intended. That's why he said, my burden is light, my yoke is easy. Because he doesn't want you, he doesn't want the devil to have a fortified place in your mind that's resistant against the knowledge of God. And so he wants us to pull down these strongholds, and the way we do it is by renewing our mind. And when we renew our mind, now we begin to confess the Word of God. And it puts a guard over our confession. Amen? Amen. And so look at verse 8. It says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever. Now, look at these descriptive words. whatever, And think about the Bible when I say these words. Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right. Whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. What's he saying? Think about the Bible. The Bible is true. The Bible is pure. The Bible is praiseworthy. Why? Because when you take this in, you're taking in Jesus. Come on. He is the word made flesh that dwelt among us. He is the word. You cannot separate Jesus from the word. When you take in the word, you're taking in Jesus. Amen. we got to start taking in Jesus, taking Jesus, taking Jesus. And so he's saying all these, whatever's virtuous, whatever's praiseworthy, whatever's excellent, all those are the word of God. He's saying think on such things. So he's saying don't ponder the flood of the enemy. Think on the word. Hallelujah. And when you think on the word, you'll have peace. Amen. And peace of mind, you can't put a price on that. That's right. Amen. Joshua 1.8 says the book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. But you shall meditate in it day and night. That word right there, meditate, means to moan, growl, utter, speak. Moan, growl, utter, speak. And so it's almost like he's saying, I don't even care how it comes out, let it come out. If you've got to groan the word of God. If you've got to growl, if you want to growl at the devil with the word of God, then growl but what he's saying is is you meditate in this you renew your mind with it and then meditation is speaking speak the word of God utter the word of God growl the word of God and God takes this serious can I just tell you all he takes this serious you remember when uh, Zachariah and Elizabeth Gabriel showed up so cool angels and stuff you know I've been praying out a lot, angelic help, angelic help, angelic help. You know, angels have been assigned unto you. Yes. Yeah. Tell them to go, and they go. Tell them to come, and they come. Command them, go out, resources, bring them to you. You got angels watching over you, amen. Well, an angel showed up to Zechariah and said, you know, your wife's going to become pregnant. You're gonna, you guys are going to have a kid. You're going to name him John. And then Zechariah I feel like, has anybody ever done this? God speaks what he wants to do in your life and then you give your reply. (laughs) We give an evil report because all an evil report is a report that goes against the Lord. We pull Numbers 13. How can these things be? Talking about words. Now, when you renew your mind, what it does is it sets a guard on your mind and your heart. And when you set a guard on your mind and your heart, you won't just let everything come flying out of your mouth because you understand the seriousness of it. Amen, that's right. Well, Gabriel understood the seriousness of it, and when he couldn't get Zachariah in agreement, what'd he do? He said, okay, you're not speaking anymore. Silenced him. Gabriel was so determined for the plan of God to come to pass, he wasn't going to let man ruin it with his words. Did you all see that now? The, the plan of God for your life can be derailed by your evil report. And so Gabriel said, "Mm mm-mm. All right, you want to disagree? Your disagreement is now on the inside of you alone. You can talk no more. And then Zechariah came out just gesturing to people, and everybody knew he had an encounter in the temple. Right? And so God, what am I trying to say? He takes this, let us take it that serious. If I'm not going to speak words that are in agreement, then I'm not speaking at all. But on the flip side of that, we need to get the words that are in agreement with God coming out of our mouth. Amen? Amen. Proverbs fifteen twenty eight: The heart of the righteous weighs its answer. So what is Proverbs saying? He's saying, don't just, don't just speak. You renew your mind, weigh your answer against the word of God, and then speak. Find out what you're supposed to be saying from the word And then speak. A righteous man weighs his answer. But the mouth of the wicked gushes evil. Why does the mouth of the wicked gush evil? Because they don't weigh their answer against the word. They just speak their mind. And it doesn't matter if the word came from the devil. Doesn't matter if the word came from the world. Doesn't matter if the word came from a secular relationship. They're just going to speak it. And because of that, vile and evil comes out of their mouth. So we meditate and then we speak. Now read Psalms 1, verses 1 through 3. Now this is David writing. He didn't write all the Psalms in here. I think he wrote like 76 of them. He didn't write all of them, but this one was written by David. It says, Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, or set his foot on the path of the sinners, or sit in the seat of mockers. That word right, mockers right there in the Greek means imposters. Now the reason why I said David wrote this is because it's interesting. You're getting David's point of view here. And David's out here in the wilderness in exile after He lost his kingdom right in the book of Psalms. So he knows what it is to take the counsel of the wicked because the counsel of the wicked cost him his kingdom. He knows what it is to sit in the seat of the scornful, the imposter, because when kings went out to battle, David stayed home and played with Bathsheba. He knows what it is to play king instead of being king, and when he was playing king instead of being king, it cost him his kingdom. And so now he's out here in the wilderness, exiled in exile, writing this down, saying, learn from my mistake. Yes, yes. Don't listen to the words of the wicked. Right. Right. Amen. Don't sit in the counsel of the wicked. Don't sit on the path of sinners. If sinners are influencing you more than God has influenced you, you're going to lose the kingdom. What kingdom? The kingdom that's alive on inside of you. The kingdom of heaven. And then he says, don't sit in the Don't be fake. God's called you to be kings and priests. Be kings and priests. Don't be an imposter. Everyone say, I'm not fake. Now look at his advice in exile. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And his law, he meditates day and night. So it's like David saying, if I would have just spoke what God had spoken about me over and over and over again, I would never be in this position. Because I wouldn't have believed what they were saying, I wouldn't have believed what I wanted to do. I would' have believed what God had for me. Yes, yes. So we got to delight in it, and once you delight in it and meditate, Watch what he says you can become as you meditate and you speak God's word over and over and over. He is like a tree planted by streams of water yielding fruit in season, but whose leaves do not wither and who prospers in all that he does. So it's like David is showing us in real time what can happen if we don't do something with the words that are coming. And instead of doing something, we just act. He's saying, Great is the cost of that person. But if you'll weigh the words against God's word, if you'll bridle your mind and get it under control, and then you meditate that and you speak it out, now you become a person that is planted by waters, producing fruit in every season. Come on now, church. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Whose leaves never wither, but you prosper in all you do. See, this is why, as a believer, We're not scared as to which way the economy goes because we know that we operate from a different kingdom. And I speak about that kingdom. And I live from that kingdom. And that kingdom is being put in me through eating the word of God. I did find your word and I did eat it. And I meditate on it. So now I'm eating it. I'm getting it inside. I'm washing my mind and letting it be renewed by the Spirit of God. And then what's coming out of me is life because death and life are in the power of the tongue. I'm agreeing with the right kingdom. Therefore, I'm a tree planted by waters. I'm agreeing with the right kingdom. Therefore, my leaves never wither. I'm agreeing with the right kingdom. So I'm fruitful in every season. I'm agreeing with the right kingdom. Therefore, I prosper in everything I do. I prosper in my job. I prosper with my family. I prosper a disciple I prosper as a parent I prosper as a pastor because I'm putting God's word into my heart I'm renewing my mind and then out of me comes rivers of living water from your belly come on now not from your pastor's belly not from your parents belly from your belly shall come rivers of living water come on now rivers of living water And so we renew ourselves and wash ourselves. And we let the Holy Spirit do the renewing on the inside of us. And it works from the inside out. We weigh the enemy's words against God's word. So we can expose the lie. So we can speak and follow the truth. If your eyes closed and your heads bowed. Proverbs 18, 4. The words of a man's mouth are deep waters. The wellspring of wisdom, a flowing brook. Let the words of your mouth be deep waters. What are deep waters? His word are waters. Proverbs ten eleven out of the Barren Study Bible says, The mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life. Amen. As your eyes are closed, Your heads are bowed. The first time that fountain of life came out of you is when you came in agreement with God to be saved. You saw his standard. It was illuminated to you. The book of Romans, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, you shall be saved. And the first time you agreed with that. And then you spoke it. Your belly and your words became a fountain of life. So you can see the transformative power of the word of God coming out of your mouth. Just through salvation, you can see how you can be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You saw what it took for salvation, the word was enlightened unto you, and then you believed in your heart, and you confessed with your mouth, right there you see Romans 12 playing out before you. Not conforming to the world, but transformed by the renewing of the mind and the confession of God's word. So as you leave this morning, remember how powerful this is. That confession that translated you from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light is the same confession that will heal your body when you're having symptoms. Same confession that'll allow bills to be paid when you don't know any other way that they'll be paid. Agreement with God's word. Same confession that'll stall that'll calm storms in the life of your family. Same confession. There's power in the tongue.